Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. Hello, hello. So welcome to another chapter of Learn with Besson. And as usual, we're going to be discussing about something that matters in the workplace. Today, we're going to be discussing about some numbers that I find quite impressive. So today we have 29% of senior management that is female globally. And we have only 33 out of the 14,500 companies. So we have 500 companies and only 33 are led by female chief executive officers. Hmm. For me, it doesn't look like women are having their fair share of leadership. And if you combine that, the worst becomes when you combine that with cultural backgrounds, like we, we say people belonging to a certain culture, certain race, we, it is the moment to ask ourselves, so what can we do? And today we are going to be discussing about the topic about how can you design your confidence at work despite gender and culture? Hmm. Now, many studies have proven that women outpace men in the majority of the leadership traits. So I remember a study that Harvard Business Review provided, then there is like the Pew Institute showing that women poof, slap men in terms of leadership. Now, but interesting enough, there is also some studies showing that women also tend to rank themselves lower when it comes to assess themselves. And I wanted to have someone to discuss that, specifically someone who has seen it through experience, through going around in different corporations. So we, today we have Lily Woy. And the thing is that she has been working in consulting in, with KPMG, Accenture and Deloitte, and we all know that consultants are all over the corridors in any workplace, number one. So she has seen it with her own eyes, what is happening in the workplace. Today, she has jumped into, uh, into being an entrepreneur. Prior to that, she was in consulting in organizational transformation, something that <laughs> is quite interesting to see also in the perspective of confidence. How do you transform the mindset of people? Hmm. Today, she is an entrepreneur and she's quite focused on, on that kind of how to break the glass ceiling and a stop a step up in terms of your first leadership position or continuing growing in the company. And also more and more focus into how do you build that confidence that you have the right capabilities to make it to the top. Welcome, Lily. I'm super happy to have you today. And my first question is because all this, this transition from the corporate world, being in consulting, seeing a lot of companies to doing your entrepreneurial journey uh, through something that you, that you are passionate about it. It looks like something that is quite personal. Mm -hmm. So, and I wanted to know what was the moment that you realized that despite your 
personal capabilities and results, the journey to make it to the top at work will be tough because of gender and culture. Thank you, Lily. Yeah, um, th thanks for the great introduction and the lead on Ivan. I'm so glad to be here and what a great question to start out with. Um, I think for me, the moment when I knew it was going to be a challenge is when I have moved from Malaysia over to London um, to start working uh, in consultancy and it was the first few feedback session or performance review session I had with my leaders or had with my directors and the consistent theme of feedback that came up was about my command of the English language, mm -hmm. how, how eloquent or how articulate it is compared to um, my um, more local peers, as well as my personality, kind of the very difference between um, quite a, a personality that's much more introverted, but also being brought up in an Asian culture where the, there's more traditional values or more Asian values that has been um, instilled in me. So, and those are the consistent theme of feedback that I've been getting that I need to switch up my personality and I need to refine my English language. But I have not gotten any feedback on my skills. And, and that happens very often. I, I, I can totally feel you. So in, in my case, it was, I come from a culture, you, you can notice and recognize my Spanish accent. So, and with that comes the perception that the, the world makes about if you have it to be a leader. Like we are always imagining, and there has been even studies about what makes Peop, uh, people decide if you have potential to be a leader. <clears throat> and there is a lot of traits that are one, more biological. If you're tall and you have hair, hmm, you have bigger chances to, to be a leader. Uh, it looks to me that we have created like an image of the ideal leader that is based on quick shortcuts. Like I will watch you in two seconds and despite whatever you have done, you don't belong to my uh, stereotype of a leader. Mm. You are Asian, you are a woman, you are not yelling, you are not uh, exposing yourself to this um, man's club. Huh, there is yeah. something wrong with you, right? So biases are something that is natural. Our brain has created it in order to, to make us take quick decisions. But if we are not aware about our biases, we fall into the trap of taking decisions in an irrational manner and based in, I don't know, biological stereotypes uh, or, or other traits that are not of value for a company, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing is, we have seen over and over again and research has shown that first impression are often wrong. But yet, our first impression does make up how we see the other person. 
whether are they um, as um, competent as they are, even before we've seen the actual work that the person is doing or how confident they are based on, to your point, our stereotype on what a confident person looks like. So for example, in my case, I can't see a soft-spoken Chinese woman leading a team mm. in consulting in, uh, in an industry that is male-dominated and, and she's a foreigner. So it, it does place a lot. And I think even though when we try our best to say, okay, you know, first impression is mostly wrong. Let me not make a judgment of another person by first impression. But that's where unconscious bias starts to come into place because while we can consciously say that, okay, let us be clear or let us make an informed judgment. Let me give time to learn and, and get to know the other person. But yeah. unconscious bias has already kicked in. And it's, it, it still clouds your judgment. And this is where self-awareness and knowing your own bias it is so important. Despite the fact that we, we have become more global and, and we have accessibility to see leaders from other races, from other genders, we still don't learn. So we have a lot of tech companies dominated by Chinese and Indian, uh, Indian origin people. We have a lot of companies from China who are led by women, which is amazing, good, very good news. But nevertheless, we still remain into our formatting, into our programming, because it's almost like we have got into our brain like a, a bunch of rules that we have to obey. And one of the rules is how does a leader look like? And we cannot get rid of that, that image. There was a very interesting book that, um, that, that I read like maybe five years ago. Um, I think, yeah, it's Executive Presence, The Missing Link Between Merit and Success. A very small, calm woman called Sylvia Ann Hewlett, who is doing a lot of research in terms of leadership. And she all, she's constantly mentioning in her book about that it takes us like around two seconds to take a decision. And the most important factor to decide that if you are made to be a leader is gravitas. Uh, and, and inside of gravitas, there is a bunch of traits like confidence and decisiveness. And when we think about decisiveness, we are thinking about the image of a man, right? Uh, so showing teeth, and these are the most, the, the most important consideration when we decide, hey, you are made to be a leader. But of course, how can you imagine that if, if you are not within your own set of culture or gender? If, you, if your image has been fixated in a male and very often it's going to be white, how can you imagine what it means to be a leader from another race, from a, a, another gender? And what I wanted to ask you, have you perceived uh, what are corporations doing in terms of teaching or teaching to people how to control their biases? Is there something like a training that companies are investing on? And second, is it the right solution, training? Yeah, um, that is... 
I, I think there is a lot to unpick there. I think you know there are increasingly more and more companies that invested in unconscious unconscious bias training, invested in um, understand how can they make their company more diverse and more inclusive, mm. and how do they really leverage and maximize the uniqueness or the diversity that exists within the company, and also looking at where is the glass ceiling exactly? So we are seeing that a lot of um, underrepresented um, groups are getting stuck at the middle management level and they're not breaking through into the senior management. And it's understanding what are some of the more targeted interventions that we need to put in place to support that succession or support the advancement. And I think that goes to your second, um, second question on are companies investing in the right solution? Exactly. Yes and no. I, I, I have seen a lot of companies investing in a lot of initial training, but the follow through is not strong. Mm. So for example, if a company has invested a lot in unconscious bias training, and those are great training, what is the follow through? What is the refresher? How do we bring this more into life? How do we really support individuals to figure out what are their own unconscious bias and how can they consciously bring it to awareness and understand how it impacts their decision-making in their specific role? So really think, taking it from a corporate level or company-wide level and start breaking it down into individual level. And I don't feel companies are doing more of that. Often, I have seen what are, what are the, some of the next steps from this kind of training. It's they send a long list of books or long list of videos for people to say, yeah, you know, now that you have um, start to understand how unconscious bias affect um, our decision making and our perception, here are all of the things for you to continue to educate yourself. It's over to you. You do it now. We are done. <laughs> Where is the continuation of it, or, or, or of those development? I think that's where I don't feel companies are doing enough of. Uh, <clears throat> Lily, if you think about it, and we know that because you and me, we have been collaborating in different companies. So it has already taken a lot of time to build up our current biases, saying, Asian people are calm, do not have the leadership traits that are required, or women are too gentle. All of the biases that have been formatted by our society. So it has taken between, I don't know, 20 to sometimes 40 years to write the code in our brains that this is it. <clears throat> this is our shortcut. So you cannot solve the problem by having like an awareness session. You have to rewrite a new code. And rewriting a new code, it means practice consistently and being aware of. And already I can tell you, and I mean, despite that you, me, whoever is has a coaching certification, it doesn't mean that we know ourselves that well. It takes time. It's continuous practice. We only know the, the process to get to know each other, uh, ourselves better, but if we, we are constantly practices because we 
are dominated by an irrational monster inside of our brain that controls our emotions, our perceptions. So we will always come and, and have our natural biases taking, taking control of our decisions. So it's a solution. It will never be like an awareness session, a little bit of knowledge about the impact, what happens if you don't select the right person and so on, because you need to practice. And so certain of the practices will start by knowing yourself so that you can identify these little biases that spot in your brain whenever you are not thinking about it. And then a practice in order to uh, reframe your natural think thoughts and make transform it into behaviors, into actions. It, it cannot be solved yeah. otherwise. Exactly. And I think it's also important to know that it takes time. Mm. to assess whether has something worked or not, or whether have I actually um, changed my behavior or changed my way of uh, perception or changed my decision-making because oftentimes it's easy for, for people to walk out from a training session and say, what a great training. I have learned so much, you know. I, I, it's a feel-good moment. Yeah but it's the application. And when I say application, it's really in the challenging situation when you have to apply this new behavior or this new thought process or this new approach is where we see whether have something actually work or not. Because when we are in a challenging situation or we are feeling challenged, our natural reaction is to revert back to what's comfortable. Let's just, let, let, let's just go back to how we used to do it. And in that moment, whether do you decide to go back to your old ways or change to a new way, I think that is the decision point where we, where we really understand, have we actually grow and develop and change as a person? Mm, indeed. Uh, I was thinking again about the book, Sylvia, from Sylvia Ann Hewlett regarding the executive presence. And, and I remember one part where she was talking specifically about females. So if you are trying to copy and paste the same behaviors as men, the judgment from, the, from people observing you, your peers, your, your bosses, is going to be drastically harsh compared to the same judgment if a man was doing the same behavior. So it's almost like women have like, uh, because in the, in the book, it was just specifically talking about women, they have like a very narrow uh, space of behaviors that they can demonstrate in order not to be too sweet or too harsh, right? And, and Lily, what I wanted to know is, so what is the do's and don'ts when either you are a woman or you are associated with a culture of origin, what are the things that I can do to get out of this circle of, I am not leader, leadership material? Is there some tips that you can advise us in terms of do's and don'ts for either if you belong to a culture or if you're a woman, how can you make it? I think the first is really understanding some of the few misconception or unconscious bias that women or even 
underrepresented um, groups have of themselves. Mm. It's you do not represent your community. Mm. So you can do whatever you want, make all of the mistakes you want, and it's a representation of who you are as a person, but you do not represent women. You do not represent the Chinese community. You do not represent, you know, um, XYZ community. And I think one of the common misconceptions that I've seen, and this really, this belief kind of helps kind of get people stuck in where they are. It's, oh, you know, I, I can't really do this. Um, how would people react? How would my people react? How would people like me react? Am I, am I representing uh, a good image for my community? And that in turn instill fear in you. Mm, yeah. White men don't think like that. White men don't think like, oh, I need to represent other white men. Exactly. So it, it is a very subtle belief that we are brought up with that is ultimately stopping us from playing bigger and making mistakes or taking risks in, mm. in our career, in our life. So I think that is the first, um, I would say, don't um, or, or belief to change. Um, and, and the second one, it's um, about when we look at, you know, for example, you mentioned gravitas um, or what are some of the traits of a good or a great leader? So for example, confidence or decisiveness or presence, those are a list of traits. And often we have um, an idea of how that translates to behaviors. But I think it's to, to disconnect traits and behaviors. Traits are what how can I put it? Traits are neutral. Mm. So for example, confidence. You know, confidence is a, a, a trait that we see in great leaders yeah. or confidence in self. And for ex however, what this, how this translates to actions and behaviors is confidence to you looks very different to how I demonstrate confidence. Yep. So it's about... Yes, we agree that it's a common set of traits we see in great leaders, but that does not mean that there's only one way to demonstrate those traits. And it's about how do we figure out what does that look like for me that still fits my style and my personality so that I don't need to imitate someone else. And for example, a classic um, example, it's... Um, uh, extroverts and introverts, the introverts feeling that I need to constantly be loud to, to be seen as confidence. But no, an introvert person ha just has a different way of demonstrating confidence hmm. in their soft-spoken and quiet way. Lily, uh, indeed, it's almost like in the, these last 10 years, there has been a race of this population of CEOs who looks like type of introvert. And this is because mainly the tech industry, right? That when we see someone like <clears throat> the guy from the CEO of Google. So if we see him in the street, 
we will never guess that he is the CEO of Google, right? Because he looks like just the kind of a standard man on the street. There is nothing exuberant that can, can tell us how much confident he is into taking decisions. There is other, other companies that where we see people who are naturally introverted and despite that, they have demonstrated, demonstrated the traits of leadership. So it's almost like there is a little bit of a shift in terms of the image. We are blurring a little bit more this image of, of, of leaders in order to allow people with different expressions, different behaviors uh, of in, in that are important in leadership, but they express it in a different manner. You are totally right, Lily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So coming back to the point about confidence, um, what do you think it could be the daily practice that we can start to build our confidence despite gender and culture? Uh, and why is it important to create consistency in the practice? <laughs> we have to repeat it because that is the key word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I like to describe confidence as a muscle. And, you, and that's where consistency comes in. It's you need to um, be consistent in going to the gym and or going exercise to maintain your muscle. And it's the same with confidence. You need to consistently do something to keep nurturing and developing your confidence. And if you stop doing it, it will start to shrink and you need to build it all up again when the time comes where you decide, okay, you know, I need to work on my confidence. So I think that that's why consistency is key and in terms of making it a habit and constantly nurturing and expanding your confidence. And to, to um, the other point you mentioned on what can we do um, on a daily basis to build our confidence? I think the first one is really understanding what kind of confidence do you want to be or is there any specific area in your life and in your career or in your relationship that you want to be more confident in so confidence is it's not this general um feeling that applies to that that has a blanket application in all parts of your life so for example i can feel very confident in my workplace but I have no confidence in my home life hmm. or the vice versa. So it's really about figuring, okay, which part or which aspect of my life do I feel that I can just dial up my confidence or work on my confidence a bit more? And then let's figure out what are some of the behaviors or actions that I can do to develop that confidence. Hmm. So if I... Connected a little bit to what you mentioned before, you, you mentioned kind of the, the limiting beliefs that we represent, I don't know, I represent the Latino population, you represent the uh, Chinese female pop, uh, uh, gender culture. Um, and, and that is something that, I mean, it, it, it affects our level of confidence. It, it affects our capacity to to say something, to voice sometimes, to say it, to say it in a calm, in, in a calm way, because 
somebody is going to judge our accents, sometimes somebody's going to judge our way of saying things that is going to be maybe a little bit different versus the standards. So we are not saying that it's better or worse, it's we are saying the standard of, of, of the, 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 the culture of the, uh, of the company. So limiting belief, it, it's, it seems like one of the starting points to work on when we want to sustain a, a change. So identifying them, that, that could be a, a good point of action. Then of course, and, and I'm always thinking about at the personal level, me, I'm an introvert by nature. Uh, I had to, to mime it. I, I, I'm doing them sometimes like kind of the sh a show that I know that it will always be painful because I cannot change my natural, my natural me. It will always be painful to be interacting with, uh, with people. Uh, but I have known how to I have learned how to mime the right behavior so that you don't see it. I have learned also that I cannot sustain the pace for a long period of time. I need to recharge because I'm using more energy than when I'm doing something in a natural way, right? When you are, when you are worried, self-conscious, or, or, or maybe you even lack of confidence, it uses more energy. So I know that I can do shows only of a certain duration and after that i need to be alone in order to recharge and start again i cannot have seven eight hours of zoom calls because i need to recharge in between right so one is the preparation of your mindset the, the limiting beliefs that that not, do not allow you to, to move forward and potentially the second the, the second one is the continuous practice of what are the behaviors that where you can express as you say your genuine way of having that confidence not the confidence of your boss not the confidence of your swedish boss or your swiss uh, boss no your confidence as you are like that it represents you in a natural uh, in a natural way they will get used to that right they get used that to our accents they get used to our way of expressing our natural way of leadership they get used so but what we cannot allow is to don't express it because they will never get used otherwise, right? <laughs> exactly, and they would never know. So, and exactly like you, I am introverted by nature. And some people that know me would be quite surprised by that because I know when do I need to um, dial up my energy and to be, be more up outgoing and it's really dependent on the event or the situation that I'm in or in the in the social environment I'm in but I'm I've also learned to develop or be be clear that for example if I'm invited to a social gathering that lasts the entire evening hmm. I would say after two three hours hey it's been great catching up and talking and getting to know all of you. I am, my energy is depleted. I'm done. I wouldn't be good company after this. So I'm going to exit. I'm going to say my goodbye and I'm going to catch up with you another time mm. and leave. And the thing is, everyone understands. They are, they're like, oh, totally get it. Thanks for stopping by. So, so glad that you, 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 you are willing to spend a few hours with us. No one is forcing you to, to stay the entire night. 
but in in your head you feel that is this peer pressure that oh no you know people are not going to like it people are going to judge me if i leave early but if you tell them why you need to leave early most people will understand and if they don't maybe they're not the right people that they need to hang out with yeah indeed indeed we have the choice <laughs> we will talk a little bit more about the choice um in the next question but i i just thought that <clears throat> so we know that tech companies like google have a diversity where in fact westerners are the minority because the, the most of the developers come from all around the world and of course they, they need to develop the the leadership pipeline right and one of the tools that I, uh, they implemented like already like 12 13 years ago it was how to teach people to get to know themselves you can call it there is different names the most common name for that is a little bit of mindfulness which it means just to dig inside of yourself and by the way the program is called search inside yourself huh? um, it, it was a program developed by one of the developers asian origin the guy spent some time to write a book and to write a training program about how tech people with this diversity of of, of cultures uh, can develop self-confidence uh, can get to know themselves a little bit better because it all starts if when we have been discussing about all the level of actions during the during this episode we it all starts by getting to know yourself to get in the feelings so posing and, and understanding what are the early signs in terms of in our body if we are stressed if we are not feeling comfortable about something if to spot it way before our emotions take over and this is where everything becomes blurred and we lack of confidence so if we are capable of activating this part of the brain that is rational to detect way before it goes too far our emotions we can get control of our lives we can express our uh, ourselves we can get to forget about all of this formatting we belong to this culture and we can just be ourselves and express ourselves and and develop inside of a different culture with our own genuity so i think that the the starting point of the journey of building confidence, it could be a start with getting to know yourself as much as possible. You can use mindfulness, you can use other tools, but definitely it will not be sorted out with a couple of hours of awareness training or a couple of books. It needs to be practice. It's a continuous practice. Exactly. I, I totally agree. And it, it is about figuring out what is your way of getting to know yourself. And it takes time. It, 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 it takes time to get to know yourself because you constantly grow and evolve as a person. So what you know of yourself two years ago is going to be very different from now. And it's about how do you constantly check in? And I think that is also a, a, a bit of a misconception that I feel that when, when we talk about mindfulness or we talk about getting to know yourself or slowing down a bit, it's about, okay, taking a whole day, um, bringing out a book and writing on a journal. No, that, that is one way of doing it and that fits one preference 
of yes. a group of people. But if getting to know yourself is about sitting down with a really good friend and just sharing and talking or sitting down with a coach to, to help you to facilitate the environment and ask you questions to prompt your thinking rather than looking at a piece of paper, that is another way to get to know yourself. And it's about figuring out what is the best way for you to engage with it. And getting to know yourself, it might be just pausing for half an hour every week to do it. It, it does not need to be you know, a few hour session and you don't need to walk away with like literally pages of notes. It, it's just about checking in with yourself like, oh, okay, what have I learned this week? How have I learned it? What do I know more about myself this week? And kind of continuing, and to your point, the consistent practice of it. Exactly. There is no one-size-fits-all solution. We need to find it. Meditation has never been a thing for me. I cannot focus more than five minutes. But for instance, I have found out that breathing exercises help me in order to be in line with myself. Good. I, it just takes me like maybe early in the morning, five minutes, and maybe somewhere in the afternoon when I'm, I'm breaking off all these meetings and interactions to spend some time on that. Five minutes more, 10 minutes, and then I'm consistently building a little bit of the recognition of, of to checking in with myself as, as exactly what you mentioned. There is always this image that comes back to my head when you see... I'm pretty sure that you have watched a couple of videos where, where Jack Ma is talking. So mm -hmm. I, I did, that shows you a little bit the like kind of the way leadership has evolved because the guy is humble. The guy is not talking uh, loud. It, it, it is something that it is so serene, so calm, in fact, and maybe Maybe because of the, the demographics of our world, maybe that's the future of leadership. So we don't have to change to adapt to an old style, an old formatting of or image of, or, of leadership, because what is coming is that majority of the world is kind of in the Asian side. So maybe this is something that we can learn to, and maybe this is the future of, of leadership, this can. And, maybe combined with other things like being more human-centric, more empathic, which are totally traits where women dominate. So it is time to learn from other cultures about what it means to be a leader. Is it the time to learn, instead of competing with women, is to learn from them how they do it so that we can become a better person. Yeah, yeah and, and I think... When, when I look at the future of leadership, I would say there is enough space for all types of leader to come up. Um, you know, if you want to have a more um, calmer or, or, or more heart-centered leadership or a leadership where it's just more fast-paced, more outgoing. And I, I think it's about appreciating um, the strengths and the uniqueness that different types of leader brings to the table and it, it also really look at actually what is your company mission about what's your company values and what kind of leaders 
do you want to have for you to realize that mission, that value, or what type of people do you want to attract? Because different type of leader attract different tribes. So, so it's about really thinking more on a um, systemic or contextual level to understand, okay, you know, this is me, myself as a leader in a company where my mission is to do X or my purpose is to do Y. What, what, what is the best way for me to lead this company or this team to maximize that, but also to still stay true to who am I as a person. So I think there are room for different type of leaders depending on what you do, why you do it, how you want to do it. <laughs> um, 95% you are right. This 5%, I keep it because there are type of leaders that should not and will not survive. And is they the one who is kind of a dictator who thinks that this is my way or the highway that I think it is slowly, slowly disappearing. So that's a good thing. Lily, but imagine the the following case. So I am a woman, I I belong to uh, and or I belong to, uh, to a certain culture. And I mean, my workplace is not showing me that I have any value. Uh, and it is impossible to reach my, my personal aspirations because it doesn't match with, with the culture. Uh, and, and probably because the culture is completely rotten and the, and the inclusivity of gender and culture is not taken into account. What is my choice? Should I leave? Yeah. Right? Yeah, no? leave. Yeah, and, and I think um, there is no shame in leaving and it, it speaks to your confidence and courage to leave because you know that you can't see a future in this company or you can't see that there's going to be a change happening in this company to allow you to have a future. And I think... That that is always the balance and understanding in, okay, have you maximized um, the opportunity that this company has for your career versus staying out or staying in the company because you are worried you're going to, you're not going to find anything better or you're worried that it's me, you know, something is wrong with me and I need to fix myself. And understanding that if you can't see yourself having a future in this company, I think it's time for you to leave or for you to consider something else and, and be happy and be proud of that because there will be a company or there will be a team hmm. that is the right fit for you. And it's just a matter of finding it. And I think that's where um, interviews come in. That's where networking come in. And we can also see there is a change in how we interview and hire people. And yes, you know, there is still the skills, capabilities or the competency uh, section, but there's also more emphasis on the cultural fit, on actually who will I be working with, who will be my manager, who will be my leader, and can I see myself um, working with them as well? Totally right. And I would say, I would just add that this small 
thing that you are not living because it's the right thing to do. You are living because it will affect your productivity, your mental health. It will deteriorate your capacity, right? Um, I think it is time. I think yes, for please. that, oh, just wanted to quickly um, add to your point is that it, it has such a detrimental effect on your mental health and your self-esteem and your confidence. And it would take ages hmm. for you to recover from it. And I think that's something that people don't, don't appreciate enough. Money will not cover for, the, uh, for that. So having maintaining your salary is not going to make you better. Um, Lily, thank you very much for the time. So I, I just wanted to, to, to recap the fact that if people wants to work on their confidence, uh, if you're hitting the, the glass ceiling, I mean, there is ways to work on that. And one of the ways is, of course, Lily. Lily, you have a lot of material, good re, uh, resources into your website, lilywoycoaching.com. Lily is L-I-L-Y. Woy is W-O-I and coaching altogether.com. This is a good way to start a journey of change because sometimes, as you say, so there is many options from mindfulness, from watching videos to or working on your self-confidence. Uh, but one of the ways is also to have somebody to bounce back ideas to in order to reconstruct. Uh, Lily, thank you very much for making the time to be with us in Learn with Besson. It was lovely. The topic, it is something that passionates me. Usually is it would be my co-founder who is a woman who, who would be the most appropriate. But you know what? I. I mean, I grew up as a minority in the Western world, so I have gone through the uh, through the uh, through the journey. I'm married with an Asian origin uh, woman who has been working in different companies around the, uh, around the world. Somebody, in fact, who doesn't match what you expect. So you hear, uh, you see a Japanese face, and then you hear like a truck driver accent from Australia. That's my wife. Right? If you recognize her, her say hello. So, <laughs> I think I have a better language than her, anyways. Lily, thank you very much. Anything that you would like to add as, like, like the strike takeaway message for people who are doubting about their capabilities to move forward uh, in a company because they are a woman or because they, be, they belong to a, a culture? Is there one short sentence that you would like to share? I would share, be unapologetically you. That's good. That's amazing. We tend to forget that one. We tend to forget, exactly. Thank you very much, uh, Lily. It was lovely to have you to, uh, today. Same here, my pleasure. <laughs>